Amen. Thank you, Kevin, for those prayers. It is good to be with you all today, whether you're here in person or online. We are in the midst of the Heaven and Hell and Everything in Between series, and this series is all connected, so if you've missed one, do go online to to fill out the missing pieces of it. And online now in the description box on YouTube, there are the slides if you want those. I know some people like to just take the photos from here, and that's fine too, Um, but the slides will be online now. So we have been on this journey, and today we talk about the mission of the church. Um, And we're going to go three more weeks, but what does this, all of this mean in terms of how we're to live? What does it mean for us as a church itself? And so I want to unpack a little bit of that today. You know, with this image on the left, the mission of the church can be reduced to getting souls into heaven, evacuating people from this earth to heaven. And yet we don't really see that in Scripture as God's priority to evacuate us, to get us away from this place. It misses, um, I think, was really the this biblical arc of creation, fall, the separation of heaven and earth, and God's desire to bring these things back together. Last week, we talked about a judgment, and we'll all get to experience that judgment before the complete reconciliation of heaven and earth. We see this initial charge in God's word in Genesis 2, and Pastor Brenda talked about this when she preached on vocation. The Lord took the man and placed him in the orchard in Eden to take care of it, right? to work it, to maintain it, to keep it. God has work for us to do. And it's not disconnected from that very early charge in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 of what God would have us be about. See, the gospel isn't so much how to get people to heaven. The gospel starts here at the beginning of creation and bringing heaven back to earth. We see that in Jesus' prayer himself and how he teaches us to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It wasn't, Jesus, please get me out of this earth so I can go to heaven and get away from these problems. It was, may your kingdom come as it is in heaven. May it be that way on earth. And then we go all the way to the end of the story with Revelation 21.5. Behold, I am making all new things. Not I am making right all new things, but all things new renewed. God is using this very creation to make his new creation. So this creation, fall, redemption, restoration is really the biblical arc of how we can understand Scripture. When we look at one of the, you know, 66 books of the Bible, we can understand it in the context of this and God's reconciliation of all things, bringing heaven and earth together again as it was in the garden. N.T. Wright says it this way, the hope of the Bible isn't salvation to heaven, but to new creation. And that comes out of surprised by hope. This, um, actually, there's a curriculum on Right Now Media where where N.T. Wright is speaking. I think there's six different chapters. It's pretty accessible. Um, But once the series is over, if you want to borrow my book, feel free to do that as well. Okay. In your minds, if I were to ask you, what is the mission of the church? You don't have to say it out loud. What would you say? If somebody asks you today, like I am right now, what is the mission of the church? What might 
What thoughts come to mind? Again, you don't have to say those out loud. The mission of the church. Many of you might say to make disciples, the Great Commission. Jesus says, go and make disciples, right, to his disciples. And what would a disciple be? Well, a follower of Jesus. Well, what does that look like? What does it look like to be a follower of Jesus? We're going to unpack that a little bit. We can see in Scripture, early Christians had this mission, right, to be followers of Jesus. And here is the dilemma. There was a way the world was supposed to work, and Caesar could tell you how the world was to work. Caesar was Lord, and Caesar had a vision and a mission for how things were supposed to be. Now, if you're a Christian, you're saying, I have a new king, right? This meant when you say Jesus is Lord, you're directly speaking against the government. You're saying, I have a Lord, and it is not Caesar. There immediately is a tension that is created. Caesar has a vision for how the world is to work, and Jesus has one as well. And the early mission of the church was to figure out how do they bring how God wants the world to work into fruition. Do we obey God or do we obey Caesar? Now, they confronted this question with hope. Despite all of the challenges they were facing, they were a people of hope. They knew that following Jesus might not be easy. In fact, it would be difficult. The government might come after them. The government might lock them up, and yet... They didn't lose hope. They brought the good news of Jesus because they know that this story is not over until it is all restored. And they stand in the place to bring that bit of new creation into it. So how does this work out for the mission of the church? There's so many ways to think about what we do, but in the context of this series, I want to suggest three ways that we can be about the mission of the church, being a witness to new creation. The first is through community itself. See, saving souls to heaven is not our job. Living out new creation is what God is calling us to, and not as an individual, but as a community. Our job is to witness to that new creation, to see what God is doing. What does it look like to be redeemed and restored in this world as a community, as a person. It's us saying to others, come and see what life is like in God. Come and see what redemption and restoration looks like. And helping to make that happen here. We get to do this as a community. See, as a community, we're a bunch of old creation people, right? That have found bread, that have found life, We're not perfect, but we're embracing creation. We're trying to let go of old creation habits and picking up new creation habits, living as redeemed and restored people because it doesn't come naturally. When Jesus says, love your enemies, that is not a natural thing for us to do. When he says, turn the other cheek, Our old creation says, no way, you offended me, I'm going to hurt you. So we're old creation people trying to live out new creation, not on our own strength, but with God's help. And the only way to do that is in community because we get to be with people that are different than ourselves. And guess what that creates? If you're yellow and the person next to you is blue and you guys are in community together, 
could be some friction, right? In the U.S., if you're a Democrat and your friend is Republican, guess what? There's an opportunity there. What? How would that look like an old creation, right? Fighting, bitterness, anger. How does that look like a new creation? Listening, understanding, compassion. It has to happen in community because in community, we can be surrounded by people that are different from ourselves, different beliefs, different backgrounds, different perspectives, and yet this is God's heart for us to be a people that knows how and is learning how to do this. That first image, you're not, you're not concerned with, with doing that type of thing, right? You're out of here. It's an escape plan. I'll surround myself with people that are like me, and then I'll get to jettison this. But if you're in this lower picture here, you're trying to bring these things together, and that is hard work, and that means we need Christ to help us to do it. It's not meant to be easy. See, in that first image in old creation, we're, we're, we're here to remind ourselves that we're saved. In the heaven and earth coming together, we are here trying to practice new creation amongst ourselves. That's why we worry about inclusion, equality. That's why we talk about poverty and greed and the income gap. Because these are all gospel issues. Why? Because they're human issues. God so loved the world, everyone. So if it impacts humanity, it's a part of our gospel. We get a glimpse in Revelation about what this community will look like when heaven and earth have completely come together. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. See, new creation brings enemies together, brings people from different nations together, different political parties, different socioeconomic backgrounds. This is God's call to us to be a part of that, and he wants us to get started now. What can hold all of that diversity together? Not a political ideology. Not uniformity. Only the table in Jesus Christ and what he does for us can hold that together. Only Jesus is big enough and he is big enough and he gathers everybody around his table so that we can all partake and be centered on Jesus Christ. Amen? See, the temptation of the church is often to use old creation dynamics, old creation habits to try to get to new creation. If numerical growth is the church's highest priority, then any means justifiable to get us there is considered a good thing. But that is not how Christ works. The seminary I went to back in the 80s tried to answer that very question. How can you grow a church big, fast, Big meaning number of people. And this is what they identified. They called it the homogenous unit principle. What does that mean? It means the more similar your church looks like, right? Whether that's ethnically, whether that's economically, whether that's politically, the more similar everybody is, the faster your church will grow. You think that's God's plan? No, right? That's old creation dynamics trying to get to new creation. It doesn't work. It works in the sense of maybe there are more numbers, but it doesn't please God. 
We have to be mindful of that as a church. How are we doing church together? Is it easier for us to shame and exclude, to to be less than hospitable, to guilt people, to condemn? See, if we do those things, we should not be shocked when they are in the midst of our community, old creation. I was reminded of a story this week of a pastor friend of mine in the U.S., and he had grown a big church, and he really was a good guy. Uh, But he went through a, a marital situation that was not easy and There was kind of blame on both sides. He'd been at the church, I think, for about 20 years, and he was sharing the struggles with his counsel. And instead of receiving grace, instead of walking alongside the challenge and looking for redemption, he received exclusion, shame, condemnation, and was kicked out. And... I was talking with him about a year after it had happened. He had come to you know, our church and was trying to heal. And he said, this was the sad part. It was this is, the created, this is the community that I created. And everything that was used against me, I in fact used while I was there. And he had to own that. If condemnation, judgment, exclusion, legalism are a part of how we do church, then it's going to be reflected out. Now, God worked in his heart and the church's heart, and God will bring redemption and restoration, but if we want to jump into the pool of old creation, friends, it will bounce back on us and it will hurt. We don't get to new creation by weaponizing old creation, right? We don't use fear to motivate belief. There are new creation ways to deal with sin and confession and repentance and lament. To be an authentic community that can share in our vulnerability like Shirley did in her testimony today. So community, it's a communal effort. Second is justice. We witness to new creation through justice. Why should we feed the hungry? Because they're hungry, right? Full stop. No other reason is needed. There will be people from every tribe and every nation in God's kingdom. So we need to be concerned with justice and racism, access to vaccines. People were healed and cared for and fed by Jesus, and we're to take that up. Paul says it this way. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. We get a vision of this new creation, right? If anybody is in Christ, they are a new creation. Now we know there's that struggle, and Paul talks about it later later between the old and the new, right? But we get to be that little bit of new creation that reflects God into this world. We are designed to be agents of bringing that new creation, expanding creation, bringing God's healing and discernment in this world. We can be gardeners of justice, planting seeds of hope where God has us. So we need to be about doing good, right? Love God, love others, love doing good because it's, our reflection and our bringing of new creation here. 
feeding the poor. I know many of you, especially in the midst of COVID, we contributed to laptops to students who couldn't afford laptops so they could access online schooling, bringing food to those who had lost jobs. We're about bringing his kingdom here. And we might think that, you know what? God's going to work it all out in the end anyway, right? After judgment, it's all going to be reconciled. What do I have to do? Because it makes a difference right now in somebody's life. We don't have to wait for God to restore it all. We can begin that restoration right now. It's hard work. Paul says it this way. He says, therefore, my beloved, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the work of the Lord, because you know that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. What does it mean it's not in vain? See, in new creation, God is going to bring it all about. But he's not starting from scratch. He's starting with what is already here that reflects his creation, that reflects his kingdom. These are the ingredients God will use to bring his goodness, his healing, his compassion, and we can take part in that right now. He says, get on with the work that you are doing right now. It is complex. We don't always know how it'll fit in. We'll stumble, we'll get it wrong, but it will not be in vain. Bringing new creation is bringing the world how God intended it to be in our work, in our schools, in our systems, in our homes. So what is our work? It's working towards justice in all of those places. Now, what does justice mean? People have been wrestling with that concept for thousands of years. It's complex, but that should not put us off from working on it. Unfair trials, oppression, things that are not fair in this world. We don't just say, ah, that's how the world works. We say, no, how can we bring new creation to those dynamics? Christians have done wonderful work over the ages. I think about the slave trade out of the UK and the work that Christians did to make a difference now, not just throwing up their hands. If they had said, oh, what can we do anyway? Eventually God's going to, to do it all, right? We'd be missing out on bringing that redemption and restoration, the real changed lives that they got to experience and we do today. See, justice has already come in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And to be a follower of him is to bring that justice to our worlds. God's justice has already come in Jesus Christ. And to be a follower of Jesus is to join him in that work. We're not going to always get it right, but it will not be in vain. We see God's heart in Micah 6, 8, the famous passage in the Old Testament. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Part of walking humbly is knowing that it's ultimately God's work through us. We're signposts to God's love, his justice, and his mercy. We will never be perfect in carrying this out, but we do our part. And this is all the work of new creation. Now, we have lots of, Anita was talking about ways of doing that here in our city this summer. 
And we've got a few people that have um, those flyers. If I could have those people stand up right now that have the flyers. And they're going to distribute these flyers around. Um, so just, yeah, go ahead and just walk them to everybody, Marcelo and K.O. and Elaine. Everybody gets one. And um, if you're already working in areas of justice, um, amen, carry it on. If you're looking for something you know what, this is an area that maybe I used to do and things got busy and I haven't done that. How can I take part? There's some very easy ways that you can do that this very summer. Our outreach team has done a great job bringing these to us and we thank you for them and there are lots of ways that we can be involved in justice. Yes, the challenges are big, yet they are not insurmountable. God doesn't give us a pass just because the challenges are too big. He invites us into it right now. The third way that the church can be on mission and witnessing to new creation is through beauty. We are born to be creators. Why? Genesis tells us that we are born in the image, the likeness of God, and God is a creator. And so he has made us to be creators, creatives. We get to be co-creators with God. And one way we get to do that is through beauty through the beautiful things, right? It can be difficult to know what to do. It can be difficult for a Christian artist to know how to do this well. But we can bring meaning to art, meaning to these expressions of beauty through our faith. In Romans 8, Paul says it this way, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Paul speaks of creation being in pain, right? Like a child, you know, getting ready for a child to be birthed. The beauty that is present in this world has something to do with the form, but also with the function. Now, we don't have like an ornate chalice, right? An ornate cup for the juice. Some of them are quite beautiful in and of themselves, but what really brings the beauty to this is what it contains and what it represents. And beauty and art can be the same. Through the expressions of things God has given us in this world, we can infuse them with meaning, bringing redemption and restoration. Genuine art is a res response and a reflection of the beauty of creation and the beauty of God. See, when we read this passage, right, Paul tells us that creation is longing for its redemption. And as believers, we're committed to describing the world, not just as it should be, not just as it is, but through God's grace, how it will be eventually. We know the pain and the suffering around us, but we know that that is not the end of the story. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, God will do for all of creation. So our art as Christians does not need to be sentimental or sappy or even cynical. It can hold together pain, lament, joy, and redemption. It takes work to do that. 
And we've asked Didi from our congregation to share a bit of her journey. You can see these pieces here, and we have a little video that tells of some of this. I started painting and expressing myself through visual arts in March of this year. During the pandemic, when we were all forced into a state of reduced social contact, I felt the need to try and bring forward a deep well of my own personal experiences about trauma and healing. I found that art could provide a way of communicating when words are insufficient. We can use artistic expressions for coping, adapting to changing conditions, and sometimes to communicate our unresolved childhood traumas. The pandemic had brought me time for reflection, and I had arrived to a place where I felt that I was ready to bring to light some of my vulnerabilities, failures, triumphs, and hard-earned emotional resilience in the hopes of greater connection with others. But I did not know where to start as it all felt just slightly out of reach to me. I tried to tell these stories verbally to my friends, but many were understandably too busy surviving their own challenges during COVID, and the interactions fell short of the deep call and response that I craved. I've always enjoyed writing as an outlet, so I resolved instead to begin writing my stories so that I could cast them wider. And this creative intention of writing my memoir became my 2022 New Year's resolution. I began to read a life-changing book called The Artist's Way, and the author says that with creative journeys, sometimes you shake the apple tree and oranges come out. That's exactly what happened to me, as during the fifth wave in Hong Kong, I surprisingly found myself painting and gesturally scribbling my emotions and thoughts even more than writing them out. The author also says that with creativity, if you take care of the quantity, God takes care of the quality. This simple statement was a gift of freedom. One of the tools that she lays out for any recovering artist, whether writer, musician, painter, or anyone else, is the daily morning pages, where you write three pages longhand continuously about whatever is on your mind. It's not serious writing in any way, but it's more of a brain dump. And if you can't think of what to write, you can simply just write, I can't think of what to write for three pages. This is an exercise which I've kept up for over three months now. And I've discovered that this simple tool has the power to clear the space needed for creative expression. Visual art has continued to pour out of me and I've decided not to get in the way. I take care of the quantity and God takes care of the quality. It's a joy co-creating with our creator and the journey is bringing me home to myself. All right, thank you, Didi, for that. Uh, she was in first service, but she'll be back at the end of the service um, to talk about any of these paintings. So do come up and look at the paintings um, after the service, get a closer look at them. See, art can hold the pain that we experience, but also the beauty. It can hold the pain and the joy, and it can be an expression of what God has done in and through that. See, when art comes to terms with both the wounds that we walk through and the promise of redemption, we get this beautiful expression of hope. Not hope devoid of reality, but a hope that comes through the difficult things. We see in Jesus' resurrected body that very principle. 
And Jesus' resurrection is the first fruits for all of us as we will experience resurrection. But what was the thing that was interesting about Jesus' resurrected body? Was it free of blemish? Was it perfect? It was different, right? He could eat and walk. He could go through walls. It was this physical body. But he also bore the wounds of crucifixion, the nails in his hands and in his feet. See, God used those painful things, right, for redemption. And God will use the pain in our lives that we've experienced for redemption. And that's where we get this beautiful expression that's before you. How can we be a part of God's mission? Maybe it's to take a step towards community. If you're not in a life group, take that step. If you're not in the place of serving um, and bringing God's justice, take that step. Is there an expression of beauty that you could have? Maybe not this. I could not do this. (laughs) But where is God calling you to bring beauty in this world? We each had different gifts and different talents. And God wants all of our gifts and talents to be used to bring his new creation. And church, this is really how we do evangelism, right? This is actually our expression of evangelism. It's welcoming the world into this to say, this is how we do community. This is how we work through, you know, trying to be unified in the midst of diversity. This is how we bring new creation when we help those who are struggling, when we speak up for those whose rights are being violated, when we express beauty in a world that is filled with a lot of things that are not beautiful, we can bring that. And people on the outside can look in and see not a perfect people, but a people that are trying to bring God's new creation. That is our evangelism. When we start with Jesus at the center, and he is at the center, We keep remembering he's at the center. We get these beautiful expressions of how it is that we can be on mission with Jesus. Let us pray. God, we thank you that you are, in fact, a God who who loves us, who draws us together as community, God, that you yourself have a heart of justice and you want us to be about that. And we thank you for beauty. Beauty in this world, beauty in creation, and the beauty that we can bring being co-creators with you. In your name, amen.